around, gather around, join us for a spell. There is magic to be found, and stories here to tell. Feed the fire, merry meet, dare to more than dabble. All are welcome at our hearth for a little bonfire babble. Bonfire babble. Welcome to the bonfire. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm Detta. And we are very excited to be here today. Or at least I know I am. Talking deities. Yes, I am as well. Talking about some different deities. You might remember we did Odin and Frigga for Yule time. And we thought we would discuss some other deities from other pantheons. Yes, I am specifically going to talk about the two that I hang with the most. I'm probably not going to go deep into pantheon lore, but I definitely am going to talk about my deities, how to work with deities, if you should work with deities, the fact that you don't have to work with deities, and all of that great witchy fun stuff around deities because some people will never be drawn to it. And I am looking very much forward to hearing about it because I, as I probably have mentioned on this podcast before, don't have one. I'm open to it, but I don't have one. I'm excited to learn alongside all my other non-deity having folks what we can maybe do if we decide to go that direction Mm because I, it's hard to, it's hard to sift through all of the different information about it and there's so many people who say this is the only way or this is the right way and we're just going to provide you with some options that could be your way or you could maybe retrofit to be your way but a way to sort of interact safely with with you know the the other side if you are new to our podcast we just want to do a quick introduction about cultural appropriation and then move into the episode. Of course, cultural appropriation is never okay. However, as many people will tell you from many different cultures, it is totally fine to interact, follow a certain pantheon, follow a different uh, follow a path that is not your physical heritage. Yeah. You're going to the spiritual realm, just be just be respectful about it and try not to freak out about it too much. Yeah. <laughs> stay and don't think stay humble, stay honest. Don't get into that icky part of things where you start claiming it like it's yours and you discovered it and you're the be all end all on any kind of subject. Yeah. That's where things get gross, you know? Stay humble, yeah. stay honest, do the work, keep your earballs open so you can listen. Keep your eyeballs open. The only thing I can think of right off the top of my head that would be just like, other than what you just mentioned, crossing a line, is like, we're trying to stay away right now from white sage because that is a ceremonial Native American plant that is used in Native American traditions and rituals. And it's because there's such a demand for it now. Yeah. And smudging is specifically for for that religious background. However, Sacred Smoke, there's actually a great book called Sacred Smoke, wildly enough, by Amy 
blackthorn. Sacred smoke has been around for a long time. Smudging is specifically Native American religious ancestor work, and so is white sage. But there are lots of other herb bundles and sacred smoke if you're really into that, or just go to incense or candles or stuff. Okay, I've said yeah. enough about it. I didn't... No, I think that's good, though. Yeah. I think that's good and important to say is that um, there are a lot of practices in neopaganism specifically that have uh, sort of latched on to things without questioning where yeah. they're from yeah. or how they might be important to other people. It's like, we're not trying to Mount Rushmore witchcraft. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And if yeah. you don't know what I mean, what I mean is we're not trying to carve our white faces yeah. on the sacred mountain that yeah. is witchcraft. Like, that's not what we're here to do. I'm also um, not trying to be a gatekeeper at all. Just trying no. to keep your awareness up. I think I think don't be an appropriating tool is, like, not gatekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be super honest right. with you. Um, I want a t-shirt that says that, Corey. Don't be an appropriating <laughs> tool. I like that. <laughs> That's my new favorite phrase. I love the energy in the studio today. We're both kind of chilled out. I just yeah. ate lunch. Like, we're yeah. all just, we're just kind of mellow. I watched um, Corey's plant tour and it was so awesome because I started building my garden beds this morning. It was so sunny and gorgeous here this morning in the Pacific Northwest. And I was just like, I got to take advantage of this. So, yeah. That's so. exactly what I did. Yeah. I took down my greenhouse experiment, which was like a 30% pass, 70% fail. But yeah. that's okay. Next year will be better. Uh, and I like cleaned off my deck and like got everything ready and took out all the old like yard scraps so that on Astara, I can plant my things, and I'm very excited about it. I'm looking forward to the spring equinox, although I think we're going to get to plant early here in the Pacific Northwest. It's beautiful uh, right now. It, it is really gorgeous, and we're, we are getting some mild weather, whereas one of our listeners, and happens to be a friend of mine, uh, Sandy B., I don't know her handle, but she posted snow this morning in her state. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm so jealous. I want snow. And I don't it's, think we're going to get it this year. I don't think we're going to get it. However, yeah, last year and in other Februarys in my lifetime, we've had a very weird like three days of freezing cold mm -hmm. garbage and that's usually true. that's when the snow comes. That so. is true. That is. Yes, that's true. So yeah. maybe we will. Maybe there's still maybe there's still a chance. I love snow. Yeah, I, I love snow too. And since I can't go anywhere anyway, I don't mind it. Yeah. So yeah. I used to have to walk up Queen Anne Hill to go to work in that snow. Because uh, Corey, you live close enough. You can come in, right? <laughs> For those of you who are not in the Seattle area, imagine one of the steepest mountains you can climb, and that is Queen Anne Hill. Yeah, think like stereotypical San Francisco hills. Oh, Queen Anne is that. Oh, so bad. Yeah, it makes my so. butt hurt thinking about walking up it. Yeah. And I used to walk up it every single day. <laughs> anyway, enough about my sore hill climbing butt. I just don't even know what to say. I, um, I, there's I so much that, to say. There's so much to say. <laughs> I think that we're going to maybe skip the library today and just head straight out to the bonfire because we just have so much to chat about. Yeah, as far as histories and stuff like that, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of UPG going on and some founded in lore. Isn't that right? Yeah. So the history will be more intertwined. Oh, and by the way, UPG means unverified personal gnosis. Let's go. 
Okay. So here we are at the bonfire. I'm pretty excited. I am as well. I'm going to talk just a little bit first about DD work. Should you do it? Is it for you? You're the only one that can determine that, whether it's for you or not. Where do you start? I would encourage a lot of meditation, knowing yourself, and research. Research the lore of the pantheons you might be interested in. A pantheon is a group of gods like the Celtic pantheon or a Hindu pantheon. Make sure you question yourself about why you are drawn to that culture or pantheon or goddesses, and then make sure you're doing it right. Because here's the thing about working with deities. It doesn't matter if you believe in them or not. They believe in you. <laughs> you, you just don't want to you don't want to call anything you can't banish. You don't want to piss them off. Remember, you are creating a relationship with these deities. So make sure you show respect. Yeah, you don't want to yank them around. I get that. Yeah. And so if you don't believe in them, obviously, this is not for you. May I ask you a question? Working with deities. Yeah. When choosing a deity, something I found myself kind of drawn to when I research them is um, I'll think of like a aspect an aspect of myself or my life and I'll think like God of blank and then just see what that brings up. I'm glad you said that. I do a similar thing of what energy do I want to work with and what goddess or God represents Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think both are incredibly valid or the same in some ways actually uh, when you're thinking about different aspects of yourself but also different energies that you want to work with. One of the best ways to find a deity that you want to work with but also one of the biggest traps people fall into is when they're looking for an energy that they want to work with. People will go out and go oh I want to do this spell and the energy for this spell would be really great with this particular god or goddess and you don't have a relationship with a goddess but you go ahead and call them into your spell and I uh, I do not recommend that I think you really need to have if you're going to work with deities you need to have a relationship with them before you ask something of them just don't just go knock on their door and say hi I need this this and this yeah, <laughs> yeah. also I've heard from people who practice with deities that some of them like their myths would indicate or just like humanity because i think that the gods are just divine manifestations of of human aspects basically Mm -hmm. uh so they will get jealous Mm -hmm. i've heard that working with certain specifically greek deities if you then go traipsing around with other ones (laughs) they'll get jealous and it's like a whole thing (laughs) i think you'll find that in a lot of areas (laughs) So that'll take me, if it's okay, I'll go ahead and talk just a little bit about the goddess, my patron goddess, which is the Morrigan, which if you listen to the podcast, you know that already. If you've listened, you know that I was really drawn to Bridget, also pronounced Breed. And I thought for sure she was going to be my patron goddess. And instead, the Morrigan showed up. And here's what's really wild that's going on right now in 2021. I'm on a couple of different boards on Facebook and some other platforms. They are specific to the Morrigan, a couple of them. Many of us have been drawn to Bridget, like she's showing up in our meditations and in our spell work. And the Morrigan is showing up a lot and having conversations with, yeah, um, I need you to work with 
Bridget right now. I need, and I'm still here. I'm not going away. I was, somebody posted about it in a group and said, hey, do these two goddesses go together? And we were, we then went down the path of Pantheon stuff. But because of that question that got asked, there were at least 50 of us that this had happened to. A week later, a new person came into the group and said, hi, I am just exploring the Morrigan. Bridget led me to her. <laughs> That's my actual patron. And we're like, okay, the goddesses obviously have something going on. They're chilling. They're chilling. Yeah. The ladies have something going on. And I really think that we are moving toward something uh, with the two of them that they are guiding uh, those of us who follow them together down some sort of path. And I'll keep you informed on that. Anyway, I did a ton of meditation. I did it the whole first year before I did my first initiation as a witch and did a lot of research, which I found very little on the Morrigan. And I have since found more. There are a couple of tales about Morgan or Morgan or Morrigan. The Dinshaw tales, the mythological cycle and tales of the Ulster cycles, the Finn cycle, and the Tanban Kulian, the raid of Kuli in the Ulster cycle. And those are the major places where you can find a lot of the lore about Morrigan. She is not a sex goddess, as is often mistaken that she is, and she is absolutely not. She is married in some myths to the Dagda, and in other myths, she is not. The Morgan is part of the Celtic pantheon and comes from the Tuatha de Danann. She's a shapeshifter, the goddess of prophecy. She's actually a goddess of healing as well, which isn't talked about a lot, but she has been present in many of my healings and my much of my healing work as well as breed. She is a warrior goddess. She does not necessarily, though, take people from the battlefield to their next life. She's not particularly a guide. There's a a lot of discussion around that. But she definitely, and now I'm going to move into a little bit of um, unverified personal gnosis, she is definitely the goddess of justice, war, but war not necessarily on physical bodies, war, but um, the fight for justice and the fight for women and the fight for women who are coming back from abusive situations or domestic violence or rape. She can be a pretty dark and vengeful goddess. And I've heard a lot of people who are like, oh, and she is not motherly and blah, 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 blah. And it's so interesting. And the, oh, there are a lot. Do yeah. you know who is the scariest vengeful spirit I've ever met? My Who's mother. That? Like, yes. you, you hurt her babies. Ooh, watch the fuck out, my friend. <laughs> right? And she's really motherly, right? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, you have the best mom. I have the best mom. I love my mommy. <laughs> I miss my mommy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have always had a really motherly, moved into sisterly kind of feeling with the Morrigan. And that is not everybody's experience with her. Uh, Laura O'Brien, I sparked her a long, long time ago when we very first started the podcast over at the Irish Pagan School. Boy, that woman knows her stuff. And she is called by the Morrigan to teach and to guide. And she's based in Ireland. She 
did tours of the cave of the Morrigan, but you can head over to her. She's got a lot of free stuff on YouTube, but she also sells classes and does some amazing work there. Um, so that's that's my goddess, and I've been on a warrior path and also a healing path. It's not that I haven't worked with Bridget before. I absolutely have. A lot of my healing work is with Bridget, but also with Morrigan. And I said that to somebody in one of the groups and said, no, you weren't working with Morrigan. And I, I literally, <laughs> she like went, no, I don't work with them with healing energy. And I was just like, hold my boundaries when I'm online talking about this, but I don't like to engage in great discussion because it's my personal stuff. And at the same time, I recognize that it's my UPG. It's not worth it to me. I try not to throw shade on anybody who calls into question um, my personal relationship. But at the same time, it's my personal relationship. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and throw that shade for you, I think. You don't get to tell anybody else what they've experienced ever. Because you weren't there. You're not in their body. You're not in their brain. So that's the first stuff that I'll throw out. Oh, and I might have mentioned she's a triple goddess. And there's some debate about whether... As a triple goddess, are those aspects of her or are they her sisters? And Courtney Weber has a whole book about that, and she talks about how they are her sisters. I definitely feel that Morgan is her own entity. I like, I have never, I've never felt like she was less than herself. And I've never worked with those other aspects or sisters. Um, Maka, Anu, Feya, Baived, and Nimve. I have the hardest time pronouncing that one in the correct Irish pronunciation. I will keep working on it until I die. But those are her sisters or the aspects of her. And Courtney Weber has a really great book about the Morgan. And I really recommend it. And also hopping over to Laura O'Brien's Irish Pagan School or her YouTube channel if you want to do a deep dive into Morgan. I have a ton of resources that I'm happy to share with people if you're interested on doing a deeper dive into the goddess Morgan after your meditation, if you are drawn to her. I'm very deeply attracted yeah. to the aesthetic of the Morrigan. Yeah, I, why does this not surprise I, me? If you've seen me, yeah, that should not be a shock to anyone. <laughs> um, I actually, hold on. While she's doing that, I will say, just because the Morrigan is not a sex goddess, it doesn't mean that she does not uh, partake. That she's not a sexual being? Yeah, she is definitely a sexual or was a sexual goddess. She's just not she's not a sex goddess, which is what a lot of people go to. Corey is looking up some aesthetic and I can kind of see it through the Zoom room. Oh, here we go. And it looks beautiful. What is that that you okay, are looking so at? Okay. So this is a comic that I hecking love called The Wicked and the Divine. Oh, yes, you told me about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, you all. They're gorgeous. And yeah. there's just, like, this incredible... And then, like, they show her in her other forms. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, wow. Gentle Annie, and there's the Morgan. And it's wow. just... I love this comic. 
That comic is actually an excellent exploration of deities. Um, I'm not saying it's accurate or anything like that, but what it will do is give you sort of an idea of where to look of like Mm. uh, gods and goddesses that you may not have ever even heard of. There's a few in there that I was like, whoa, that's new to me and looked it up and it was really interesting. Uh, It's also aesthetically just the most gorgeous comic. (laughs) Yeah, wow. It's really good. Well, before I go on and talk about how I work with the Morgan and talk a little bit about Bridget, um, what what about you? What has been your experience? And you have a surprise for me today. Yes. So I have brought a personal experience that I had, um, as well as just a, a deity that I really respect and think is interesting mm-hmm. and I think gets kind of a weird rep. Okay. So the first thing I brought is uh, several months ago, I don't remember which horrible political thing it was from, but I... Oh, there have been so many. <laughs> Here, shall we choose? Let's yeah, no kidding. Wheel. But I had <laughs> I had a, a visit, and that's never happened to me before. I've never had a visit from anyone, and I had a visit from Lissa. And if you don't recognize that name, there's a good reason, and it's because she's not often or always, rather, considered an actual goddess. Uh, Sometimes she's like a different type of powerful spirit in Greek mythology. And she's the daughter of Nyx. And she is the goddess of mad rage. And I was feeling so many things. And so much of it was angry. She basically like visited me and said hey me too girl what i learned about her was that she was often used as a tool by the other gods well that would make you pissed off so like in the story of heracles when he kills his family it was because one of the gods asked lissa to make him go into a mad rage and kill his family so it's like she's often used as a tool but when she is not being used by others her temperament is very level and calm and temperate for lack of a better word she does not like to use that power that she has to destroy people's lives or mess with them in any way the fact that i had this experience with her i think was a way for her to say to me you are so angry right now Mm. point Mm -hmm. it point it where it belongs and don't let it, like, explode out of you and ruin your life, <laughs> basically. See, those are the powerful kind of visits. Yes, can that be coming from within us in certain personality aspects? Of course it can. Sure. But, boy, I don't know about you, but I get an otherworldly it was vibe a, and things it was that I can't a, really know. And I'm going to be very frank. It was a frightening experience. Was it? Lissa is a, is a frightening, like the 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 like literal definition of like terrible and awesome you know what i mean yeah i do know what you mean because she's like she's a formidable presence i haven't heard from her since i don't think that she's like for me i don't think that that was her intention at all was to be like ah we're buds now i think that there was a need and she saw to it but i don't think that like a commitment of any kind was made on either side there. I just know that it was a very wild experience. And for several days after, I like 
reached out and was like, do we need to reconnect? Do we need to like do anything like that? And I haven't heard anything. So I, I think it was just a need being met by someone who like understood how I was feeling. Okay, Corey and I were talking about witch talk before we started talking on the podcast. And I'm trying to explore it and get to know some of the people on there. And I saw last night, um, I don't remember what the track was underneath it, but it was like, um, so we just got a lot of rejections from this party. Uh, oh. Barack Obama. And blah, blah, blah. it was quite out of that. And in the... But in the, you know, the pointing the fingers to it and the face going, oh, my gosh, I just invited Apollo. He said no. Aphrodite, yeah. she said no. It just all that about God and deity searches. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten. So the deity thing did come up and I found a lot of not stuff that really felt it did not feel very witchy, the stuff I found. So Corey's going to help me cultivate my my following a little bit and so that I can get the real witchy stuff in there. I've been on there TikTok was a lot of drama. for almost a year now and I've definitely curated my my page (laughs) i'm gonna go to your site and look around and follow who you follow well wow i'm sorry it was a scary experience and yeah it does sound like it was what you needed at the time i mean it's never happened to me before so that's scary but also the idea that the goddess that would talk to me was such a such a frightening goddess I was like, oh, dip. What does that say about me? <laughs> that you are a powerful being. But it turns out, a lot turns out we just needed to be angry together is, I guess, what, That's right. was, what was happening. That's right. Yeah. There was a lot of anger. Probably still is going yeah. on. It's so interesting, too. I'm, I'm actually, in a way, for listeners, really glad it wasn't such a, you know, pieces and dandelions and braiding each other's hair experience because it, it's some serious it's some serious work and and sometimes not yeah and sometimes some just love and fun and celebration but when it is one of the reasons that I hesitate to encourage new witches to go right out and commit I, I really I really encourage you to take the time and meditate first. Make sure your meditation skills are really high. And here's the other thing, too. And we're going to talk about this throughout several episodes. But starting here is a lot of times the places you meet them is on on the astral plane Mm. or in your deep meditation when you're in your morning devotions or your evening devotions or sometimes when you're just starting to cast your circles and you're starting to get to know your space in and out of time when you're doing that moon work they might start to show up and visit and that's when you go kind of like what you did Corey. well not kind of exactly what you did which is uh-huh, are you for me well i'm gonna hang here with you and uh, i'm gonna keep myself safe and now i'm gonna go do some research and now i'm gonna reach out and say uh was there more of a reason than just that moment that you wanted me to be there but the astral plane and working on the astral plane Some of you have probably been doing it your entire life. Uh, People who see ghosts, people who are psychic, people... Let me walk... I'm going to walk that back. Do you consider yourself psychic, Corey? Me? Uh, I have occasional premontory visions or feelings. Uh, I don't, like, read minds or anything, but I do... And this is probably a product of being a 
quote unquote gifted people pleasing child is I'm very uh-huh. good at reading people's really subtle physicalities and energies. I am a strong believer, a strong believer that almost all of us have the ability to be psychics and know it's like you said, can I see exactly the future? And sometimes some people can. I have dreams. I have prophetic dreams. Yeah. And that is definitely astral plane work. And I I know when I go there, I can share with listeners what my cues are, but your cues are going to be different yeah. when you're there. Because I, uh, I have the occasional, I, I have nightmares pretty much consistently. Mm-hmm. That's like mm. my brain every night is like, how about I scare you to death? And I'm like, that sounds great. Uh, but on the nights when I don't... <laughs> Uh, I have had the occasional prophetic dream, and this summer mm. I had a prophetic like vision in the middle of the day that completely blindsided yeah. me and like forced me into dissociation, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" <laughs> and then came back, and it was gone. It was done. But now's a good time to mention that mental health, um, mm-hmm. just like shadow work. Mental health work and shadow work, although they can, you can blur the lines, they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. And, yeah. And you need to be careful of that. Would I love uh, to not dissociate for no reason? Boy, I sure would. Well, I sure would like that. <laughs> and I wonder, too, and this is why it gets so blurry, is that I wonder if if that particular one, the vision one, wasn't dissociation, but a yank into the astral plane. And sometimes that takes a while to get to know, oh, no, this is my mental health and I need to deal with that. But nope, this is an astral plane thing. It was a very weird feeling. Do you want to share anything else about that experience or no? It was just like a, it was just a weird, I saw me and my husband like in our home, like not this home, but like our home. It was just like a really realistic, like one of those dreams that you have where you think you've woken up, but you haven't woken up kind of feelings. And it was just like really simple it wasn't like a groundbreaking like earth shattering type right realization or anything it was just like a nice you're gonna get there kind of vision which was nice if startling (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so the other the other deity that i have brought today is a deity that gets a lot of media attention a lot of facetime a lot of play out in the world. Uh, but I don't think people understand them at all. <laughs> and I'm so curious. I want to talk about Loki. <gasps> oh, I want to talk about Loki. God. Who is a Norse god. Have a little bit of <laughs> have a little bit of stuff. I looked so okay. Okay, context. so here comes the history. Well, context <laughs> is I as a kid would rather sit in the library than have friends. <laughs> oh, so, honey. well, I just, I liked grown-ups and I liked books. Also, yeah. I could hula hoop for over 20 minutes without stopping. So <laughs> it's not like I wasn't cool also. <laughs> um, anyway. You are so cool, Corey. Aside from that you are so cool. sad I hope little you know diversion. That. Um, no, that is not a sad little diversion. The A lot of the information that I'm going to give you is stuff I have learned and accumulated over an entire lifetime of being a hecking nerd. And some of it is going to just be from like Wikipedia, Encyclopedia Britannica, that type of thing. Got it. So 
Loki is the Norse god of mischief and trickery. He's the son of Laufey and the wife of Sigyn, and in some myths, he's the brother, or at least sworn brother, of Odin. Of Odin or of Thor? Of Odin. Oh, man. Of oh, Odin. Man. Oh, those so, Thor movies, I swear. Yeah, no Marvel, kidding. Marvel, Marvel, come on. I love, I love the aesthetic that they have chosen for Loki. <laughs> Don't twist it. <laughs> but he... I'm going to use they pronouns for Loki yeah, absolutely. moving forward because they're a shapeshifter and they have seemingly no interest in the confines of the gender binary in any kind of way. Thor is, nope, Thor is not who I'm talking about. Loki is married to Sigyn, <laughs> is often a sibling to Odin, and is a uh, parent to Hel, the goddess of the underworld, uh, who some speculate was actually added to the myth after the Christianization of a lot of oh, Europe. Right? Um, Fenrir, the wolf, and Jormungandr, mm. the world serpent that like wraps around the earth like a belt. <laughs> Loki also when they were shapeshifted into the shape of a mare, got knocked up by another horse and gave birth to Slepnir, which if you remember when we talked about Odin a while back, it's his eight-legged horse. So he has that eight-legged horse because Loki gave it to him, basically. The thing about Loki is, well, okay, hold on. Loki's part in the Ragnarok Back up. Loki's part in the death of Balder, and Balder being like the golden child yeah. god, whatever, most yep. beautiful and beloved or whatever. If if you read our newsletter with mistletoe, yes. there was a little bit about that. Yeah, yep. so Balder's mother charmed every plant except the mistletoe. And so there was like a contest or whatever of like, shoot arrows at Balder. He can take it because he can't be hurt. And then Loki, he knew about the mistletoe and put mistletoe on the arrow and it killed Balder. Yeah. Anyway, um, he got punished but he, but he for was that. back to life. Yes. Brought to life. Balder's In some myths, not all of Balder's them. Balder's probably fine. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> Loki had done a lot of stuff before that a lot of tricky stuff but that was sort of like the last straw so loki was sent to be chained up and he was they, they were wounded in a cave and there was a serpent above them who would drip poison constantly rather venom constantly down onto their wounds which would be extraordinarily painful so uh -huh. loki's wife would stay with him for until the ragnarok holding a bowl underneath the drip of the venom except that sometimes that bowl would get full and she would have to dump it out and in the meantime uh loki would get dripped on and it's just like this really sad beautiful sad thing and during the ragnarok what would happen is loki would get out fight against the gods and then loki and heimdall would slay one another that's like the end of ragnarok mm. for loki but i want to talk about I want to talk about Loki in a little bit different context. I want to talk about Loki. I want to talk about Loki as the character in the story that speaks truth to power. In a Shakespeare play, that's usually the jester type character or the maid or somebody who who has this ability to speak to power in a way that power is not usually used to being spoken to. And mm -hmm. Loki did that. Loki, yes was a very tricky, tricky character who would gum up the works of the gods. But also Loki liked to use that wit and smarts and cunning to help out the gods when they were in a tricky spot. 
there's a term in D&D, chaotic neutral, uh, which basically means that you are chaotic, but you're like not really on the side of good or evil. I think that Loki is on the side of not allowing others to be false, of not allowing others to hide behind a facade of power or arrogance or or perfection and instead and instead Loki strips away that facade so that you see the character for who they really are. What makes you go to that interpretation of this story? A number of myths that I have read over mm-hmm. my time are Loki being punished for doing something that my brain says, well obviously this is what needed to be done because the people in power were being awful. I think Loki is an excellent example of why those rabble rousers need to exist in stories. Did Loki also do some pretty heinous garbage? Yes. But most of the gods, if you look closely, did. Yeah. But Loki was a parent and a spouse and an incredibly smart, like, entity. And there was this really great... Did I write it down? I hope I did. Did I? I didn't. But it was basically a thing about how Loki was uh, comely to look upon and good-tempered and fun until. That until is always, in my opinion and my interpretation, it's always like until someone decided he was being too honest. How interesting. I've never seen him like that. So this is really this is really fun to hear this perspective. What bums me out about Loki, too, is that there's no like cults of Loki like there are cults of Odin or Frigg. There's no places named after Loki. There's no there's no real world dedication to Loki. And even some people don't count him as part of the uh, Aesir, the Norse pantheon. Because of that, I've never heard. Because of the way that um, Loki was constantly like hecking up everyone's plans. And so they're like, Loki can't possibly be part of the pantheon. I think Loki's fascinating. Would I be Mm -hmm. jazzed if Loki was like, I'm your god? I don't know. But I, <laughs> but I think it would be not the worst thing because that's a character that has no stakes in the game to do anything but be honest with you about your own garbage and your own falsity. Like Loki's going to tell you that you're you're putting up a front or you're or you're being ridiculous because Loki has nothing to lose. <laughs> I wonder sometimes where the cruelty of gods and goddesses in our stories come from. <coughs> and <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you can you say that again? Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I sneezed. You can cut that um, out if you want to. Yeah, you can no, leave it no, in if you maybe, want to. No, but no, I'm, I'm totally leaving it in. No, and and again, um, we aren't slamming men. I'm talking historically. I'm talking historically, historically men as a yeah. unit. I yeah. love men. I do. Which I know you do. But I know. And which we are also coming out of too. You know, it's so interesting. I'm going to I'm going to go on just a side tangent here very quickly. I promise I'll keep it short. But I don't know a lot of men who are the jerks that I end up 
being influenced by in my life because those people rule the world. Um, But like most of the men that I know, they're theater men. And I'm not, that's not a euphemism. They are, they're both cis and not. and, And theater men are different than film men, by the way. They're just loving, awesome, great human beings who are not misogynist for the most part. And when they are, they, they're they willing to learn about it and change. And so I think I've been very lucky and isolated from the jerks once I grew up, <laughs> not in my childhood. <laughs> when I say that men are the reason that these stories have such cruelty in them, what I mean is the ruling power yeah. that was overwhelmingly male Yep. wrote yeah. the stories and the histories that we know. I am not saying that it's all so true. of the men in the world are full of cruelty. I am saying that the systems are mostly male and those systems write the stories that we hear, which is why it's so exciting to be in yeah. a time when new yeah. stories are being told and people right. are dissecting right. and examining those stories like the story of Medusa or which chaps my ass yeah. in a way I cannot explain. Which Fez just talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Madeline, I'm going to lose her last name, the author of that. Yeah. But if you check our show notes from last week, you'll see that. And like the stories, uh, just like stories of, of goddesses in particular, but people in general are being reexamined. And yeah. And I think yeah. that that's such an exciting thing because so the world is and- not just male. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that men are also finally being allowed to have God, more. Yes. Yeah. More of their soul, more of their humanity explored and accepted. And yeah. I, I'm excited for I, th- I think we're moving in the right direction. Let's hope we keep going that way. Yeah. Yeah. So and it also makes me think, too, what you just said about um, who writes the stories. It's, you know. The winners get to write the story. So you think about Loki and you think about uh, Morningstar. uh, Yeah. Oh, get me started on Lucifer. Yeah. 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 Get me started. (sighs) Well, I'm going to go back to the Morgon then a little bit unless you want to. No, that's all. I've I've talked myself out. You know me. I could find things to talk about ad nauseum for hours and hours. Well, I hope you do, because I want you to hop in on this, too. I don't want it to just be me talking. I'm going to ask you so many questions. Oh, oh, thank you. So one of the things I find really interesting about this stuff that's going on with the Morrigan and Brigid is that uh, they're both triple goddesses. And there's debate whether uh, the Morrigan, is it her sisters or just different aspects of herself? As I mentioned earlier, there's nothing conclusive about that. And Brigid slash Breed, they feel like... To me and my experience with her, they feel like different aspects of her that are separate from her. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, Like they are separate entities. I'm not saying that this is definitely proven anywhere in any lore. Uh, So what about deities? So we've just done this big talk. Yeah, I want to say something to what you just said. Yeah, The word's definitely proven. Yeah. (laughs) When it comes to deities... I'm going to make a bold claim here and say, do not exist. These myths yeah. are thousands of years old. Yeah. There are 
general consenses on the content of those thank myths. You. Yes, thank but you if, for clarifying. If someone that. tries to come at you with that's not how it happened, you can be like, "Were you there thousands of years ago when this story was being told to explain the way the and universe are you works?" Sure, the monks wrote it down correctly, right? And like, there's, there's. Yeah. I want to just be like, yeah. don't. It's don't ignore the lore. Don't ignore the but, lore, but know that there are um, like many, many versions of it. Yeah. And that if somebody's like, that's not the true one, they just yeah. be aware that that person may be operating from a place of not really expansive thought. So so these particular goddesses, you know, they have this triple triple aspects going on. Mm-hmm. And I've also worked a lot with Caridwen in the past. And she's also a triple goddess and uh, is in the Welsh pantheon, as I recall. I, I know, I know. Whereas Bridget and the Morrigan are both in Irish. So why work with deities if you are drawn to this path of a goddess or a god or an entire pantheon? Why choose to work with them? What is the draw? The draw is a particular, for me, is a particular access to energy that I wouldn't otherwise have completely on my own. And like Corey was saying, like, she feels it's different aspects of her character. And while, yes, I I will, I completely agree with that. And actually even agree with that. For me, I just find something that is outside myself in these relationships with these energies, aka goddesses and gods, that allows me to move out of this corporeal space and go to a space in between, a space that is out of time, that is out of space, that is connecting with the higher energies of the entire universe and therefore humanity. And to that point, I think when you're looking for deities, like I mentioned earlier, like looking for energies and stuff you want to work with or aspects of yourself that you want to work with, I think also it's important uh, you wouldn't date yourself, right? Because you would only have to offer yourself what you already have. So when you're looking for a deity, maybe you're looking for something that you feel you lack. Yeah. Because then that's like, because this is a relationship correct like we're not twisting that yeah it's a relationship yeah. it is a relationship so you want to find someone who compliments you or which doesn't mean doesn't. having the same things complimenting yeah, it, can mean having very different aspects yeah i know some people i am not one of them i know some people who really struggle their their god pushes them or their goddess really pushes them and it's a it's a challenging relationship, and it's not that I haven't had challenges with the Morrigan, but I've ne- I've had I've listened to some people talk about working with deities, and they're just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with this. I don't know why the hell they're do- they're asking this of me, and it's nothing illegal or weird or unsavory, everyone. But uh, I've I've always. <laughs> Even when I've been pushed into my uncomfortableness and really, you want me to do this? I've never been really. You want me to do that? I've never been like that. I'm just like, oh, damn it. Really, you're asking this of me? Discomfort. That's what I want to. Discomfort like that, I think, though, is the friction between old patterns and new growth. Mm -hmm. And like, we have to experience that friction sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it's. It's just something they need done. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my personal experiences 
which Corey already knows the story I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to share it with you, uh, listeners, is that uh, I got a wake-up slap a couple weeks ago from my goddess uh, because it was it was right around in bulk, and there was something that I was like, I told Corey, I, I, I'm going to share this ritual. I'm going to share my my grammary, my all my spell work and everything like that. And I was like, no, I'm not. I've been secretive, everyone, for so long. And uh, I, I don't know if you've heard this this story yet. Uh, the reason that Corey and I are doing this podcast, or one of the reasons, not the only reason, but I was meditating with a Morgan and she was like, you need to call Corey. You need to start a podcast with her, a witchy podcast. And literally, I was like, yeah, you're right. And I was in deep meditation. And I was like, I'll text her in the morning. And I got, no, you'll text her now. It was and very, very random. <laughs> I remember random? I got that text and you were like, do you want to do a witchy podcast with me? And I was like, I will do anything with you, honestly. But yes, sure. <laughs> and I felt so honored. And I was just like, and the next morning, I literally did one of these. I had a Brene Brown moment. I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck have I done? I'm feeling so I have a vulnerability hangover. What if Corey hates me and hates everything that I'm stand for? Anyway, so I had another one of those moments. I was hanging out with the goddess and Bridget was there as well. And I didn't go ahead and put it in the podcast for in bulk because I was just like, no, no, that's too secretive and too personal. And I got told very plainly you need to start sharing this. This is why I wanted you to do this podcast. You have to start sharing your personal stories. You have to start letting other people in and see how it's not. And Corey was great. It was like, so it might not serve everybody. Somebody out there is going to go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have we have a sort of desire between us to not put a thing out into the world until it's perfect. Oh, my gosh. And I fight that all the that time. Is, we're constantly fighting that. And I fortunately... I have no such qualms about <laughs> sharing personal things. Uh, like, I know deep in my gut where my my line is, but I also, like, it's way back. It's a way back line. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, this is a personal thing, right? It's like Gutter Bruja was talking about. It's like your religion. You don't mm -hmm. just want to, like flash it around at parties but for the like if we're gonna do this like you want to yeah. do like we want to do what's the point if we're not going to share yeah so that's kind of yeah. so i'm gonna tell and i'm gonna try not to monopolize you for the next 20 minutes but there are three stories i want to tell you and Corey, i'd love you to hop in and if you have any questions ask questions about it and if not take uh moments in between i tell these stories uh so that it's not just my voice you hear i do like I, hearing your voice oh thank you you're sweet i'm gonna talk like this no i won't <laughs> so uh one of the first stories I'll tell you is one that uh, I didn't, I probably didn't realize I was working with a deity at the time. And when I look on it in retrospect, I think absolutely many of us have teenage puberty awakenings to our psychic ability. And I was no exception for that. I had, I had so many dreams that I lost count and I didn't write them all down that came true. And one in particular and this one was so very specific. And I will tell you why I'm telling you these stories in, in 
just a moment. These are well, well, no, I'll tell you right now. One of the reasons I'm telling you this story is so that you can see how deity works. And also because I got told by my deity to tell it. So I'm going to tell it. So I think somebody out there needs to hear this. So I was 14 years old, had a total crush on a guy who was a musician and his brother, who was also a musician. Sure. And they were much older than me. They were like four years older than me. That's a lot at 14. And I had a dream with a lot of different signs and a lot of different uh, symbolism. And the main ones that I'm being told to tell you right now is the song I Am the Eye in the Sky by the Alan Parsons Project was playing in the background the entire time. And my friends had gone to a concert at the Tacoma Dome and they were walking out to the car and they were getting in the car. And my two friends got into the back seat of the car. And as they were driving home on a road that we all knew really, really well in between Tacoma and Auburn, they were hit by a drunk driver. And three of them were killed. And the guy in the front seat, who was a drummer, they were all in a band together, uh, who was a drummer, his hands were shattered. He was never able to play drums again. I knew all of them, but I didn't know the two that rode in the front seat very well at all. I told them this story, and I told them all the symbolism of the entire dream of other things that we had in common, um, certain places and colors, and what song was playing and all of that, uh, what color the car was. I mean, it was, it was very specific. And they walked out to the car that night. They went to this concert. Uh, I don't remember what concert it was. They went to get into the car, and the guy who was driving got in first and turned on the radio, and Eye in the Sky came on. My two friends had their doors open on either side in the back seats and heard the song and both looked at each other across the car and said, we can't, we can't go home. We have to get a hotel. Now, back then, this was back in the 80s, there was not a hotel really close to the Tacoma Dome. They would have had to walk way downtown or drive way downtown. Tacoma. And they were like, no, we're not doing that. And he goes, no, seriously, we cannot get in the car. You cannot drive home. And they told the story and got laughed at by their two friends in the front seat. And they were like, we're not getting in the car. We really wish you wouldn't get into the car. Please don't go. They left. This was back before cell phones. So they had to go make a phone call from a payphone to have their folks come and pick them up. And on the way home, uh, they were hit by a drunk driver. And the guy in the front seat on the passenger side was killed. And the guy driving the car had his hand shattered and never played again, as far as I know, um, in my in my association with them. Uh, and the back seat was completely and totally crushed. They would have been killed. That is a prophetic dream. Sometimes uh, the things that I want to tell you about that is, in my experience, as you start to explore your dreams and your lucid dreaming, is pay attention, one, to signs and symbol and realistic. But for me personally, mine are very clear. You know how dreams kind of have that fuzz to it mm. and they're not necessarily clear. This was clear, like it was happening in real time, um, no fog over the lens at all, very much like being in and around a movie. So that's my first story. Yeah, that sort of... Um distinction mm-hmm. is I don't know if it's across the board but that is also how I know when my dream is not a dream mm-hmm. or like how I recognized that that uh, moment I had about our our home was not just daydreaming and thinking about how I really want to move out of this apartment and go find a home it was like right. it was in it was 
a sensory experience. Like it felt very, very real time. Like I had been removed from this time right. and put into that time. Yes. And yeah, that is a really great way to describe it. Oh, good for me. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you're not going to remember anything from that. You just know you've had it. Mm-hmm. And please don't beat yourself up if that happens to you. Just keep working on it. Keep uh, a journal next to your bed. If you can, get up in the middle of the night and write it down. And if you can't... My uh, husband can lucid dream and it irritates the crap out of me because I can't um, do it. <laughs> you d- Maybe you can or maybe you have another form. But sometimes it's just practice and a lot of practice. And some of us can't... Some of you will not get there because sleep is sleep and... You need it. And yeah, right. And and it does. It interferes with your sleep cycle. And so if you don't have a lot of time to sleep. So. So, yeah. So that's the first one. So see. And you have them as well. And and they're not always that life changing as that one was. So there's my first story. My second one is my wife's mom died a long uh, a while ago now. And uh, they did not have a great relationship because when my wife came out, her mom basically disowned her and treated her like crap until the very end. Didn't put her in the will, stuff like that. (laughs) Very purposely. uh, Didn't give her things that were supposed to belong to her that uh, her grandmother had given to my wife's mom in order to pass on to Tammy. And um, I mean, it was just awful and messy. When she died, uh, we went down to the mausoleum where her body was about six months later we we had attended the funeral but we went down again in six months and Tammy wanted to go to the mausoleum and visit where it was and couldn't find it her brother had said just go to the front desk and ask them where it was so then we got there we got to the mausoleum itself and she went to the front desk and I stayed in the mausoleum while she went to find out the number and the location of where it was and Nancy visited me Mm. Nancy who was not particularly uh, nice to me in real life and said, I'm up there. Would you just go up there and pointed up above her usual caustic self. Um, at first, I thought it was a woman just sitting in the front row. It was a very, uh, most of my ghost visits are not as corporeal as this was. And it, this one didn't remain corporeal, but there was somebody sitting in the front. And she took me up to the place. And when Tammy came back to me, she said, where are you? And I went, I'm up visiting your mom's uh your mom's ashes. And she went, oh my God, you are, you're right there. How did you find that? I said, she just led me right up here. And Nancy visited me for several, several years. And here's what I will tell you about deity and working with deity and the astral plane on that. That absolutely happened. One on the astral plane, two in the mundane world quite a bit, and three always with deity. She was there. The Morrigan was there every single time. And this brings me to my next reason of why work with a deity. Nancy was not very nice to me. <laughs> Sounds like she, she wasn't very uh, nice. <laughs> no, she she was a very angry, bitter woman. I always felt protected with the Morrigan there while Nancy was there. And if anything, if any, you know, crap was going to go down, the Morrigan was there to call on and to shield. So there's another reason to work with deity. They got your back. I'm just going to pause here just in case you want to say anything or hop in or not say anything. I feel like I'm talking so fucking much, Corey. I'm just thinking about dreams. I recently 
uh, my mother has a nightmare whenever she's sick and she's had it ever since she was little and it's only when she's sick and it's very specific and she's we've I've just kind of known about it always because she's talked about it uh and a little while back probably in the last couple months I can't remember because time means nothing uh (laughs) I had her nightmare and I don't I don't mean that like I had a similar nightmare I mean something plucked that nightmare out of my mother's brain and put it into my head and this reminds me of Darren's I was talk with Darren I was very annoyed (laughs) I woke up the next day and I I woke up terrified and I called her and I went hey mom she was like what's up and I was like had your nightmare and I didn't even have to tell her what it was about or what it like which one she was like oh no and uh I were you sick no but what I think happened was my mom's been really struggling with stuff at work and it's just been really stressed and i think that what happened what i feel like in my gut happened was i had that nightmare so she wouldn't oh wow and it sucked real bad denna (laughs) well it's a nightmare yeah of course it sucked real bad oh my gosh it's not it wasn't great and what's weird about it is that it's not like a typical nightmare feeling it's like Mm -hmm. it nothing about it when described is scary but when you're in it it's like breath stealingly frightening and uh the worst yeah so those are the worst because they're the things that aren't frightening all of a sudden become frightening mm -hmm. i think those are worse than things that are actually frightening very scary yeah uh so i had her nightmare which was a treat and (laughs) uh (laughs) i feel like that happened like reflecting on it and thinking about it i feel like that happened uh in in that transaction happened on the astral Mm -hmm. plane like somebody took it from her and brought it to me and i'd like to know who that was so i can thank them Thank you so much Thank for you giving so me that. Thank you so much. Like, I'm really, You're glad, so kind. I'm really glad that my mom like, didn't have to have it. But, like, <laughs> could you could you not have just, like, flung it out into the universe or yeah. something? Thanks. Yes. Just, like, or kept it right there on the astral plane for a little while. Jeez, you know? oh, Pete. Yeah. Well, the third one that I want to tell you about is because of the astral plane. Corey and I had a talk about the astral plane and whether we were going to do an episode on the astral plane because so much work happens on the astral plane shadow work happens on the astral plane path working can happen in the astral plane actually path working sh- yeah you astral plane all the time i have don't not you? made that connection before this is happening in real time dear listener i have never ever made that <laughs> connection before that i'm doing astral yeah. work constantly yeah what the f- heck yeah All right. Well, I'll deal with, I'm going to put that little revelation aside and deal with it off the air. Well, or you can. No, it's fine. We're running long. I don't want to take up any more of anybody's time. No, no, well, I'm talking a lot. You could talk a lot. Jesus. Criminies. (laughs) Well, and what's so interesting, too, is when Corey was, uh, we were going to do, I'm just going to tell the, I'm going to let you in here, listeners. Spill the tea, part the curtain. 
There we go. We were going to do an episode on the astral plane and Corey went to do history on it and was like, this is so confusing. And where is it out there? And there are a couple of books out there. And um, mine is stuck in the shed, the one that I read in the early 90s. It's called Light Emerging. It's you absolutely couldn't get beautiful. to it. It's a, I couldn't get to it. It's a <laughs> healing book. And I was going to give her that for research. It's a great book, by the way. And especially if you're a healer in a Reiki or massage or you just want to become a healer. Researching this, this was hard. It was hard. It was hard. And it is also often referred to as a pseudoscience, which may I just say, I've wanted to say this to Corey and I resisted until we were here on, isn't all of witchcraft yeah. a pseudoscience until it's not? Yeah. You know, just like cell phones. Yeah. There is a, <laughs> I mean, there is a like, song by Tim Minchin uh, that it's like a it's like a beat poem called storm and on the one hand it's a pretty cynical beat poem but i think it also illustrates i it's one of my favorites i love it very much uh it's funny and he basically breaks down all of the things about like science and medicine and stuff that are good and how they come from like alternative medicines once they get studied they become medicines yeah and there's a way to read this like by listening to it that's very cynical and like poo-pooey on pseudosciences but i choose to interpret it as things that aren't science become science once we figure out how they work yeah because it's true like the bark of the willow tree we get aspirin Oh, Corey, you could not have picked a more perfect segue. I'm very good at this, turns <gasps> out. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Boy, this is, I wonder how long this episode is going to be. I hope you guys are still hanging in here. And if you are, this was the big story that's really, uh, that I really got challenged to tell you all. And so I think somebody out there needs to hear it. I wish I had some context for why I'm telling you. So the only context I have is the Morrigan and Bridget said so. So, mommy said so. Here we go. They did. A lot of my astral work happens happens underneath a willow tree and next to a river. And no, I've never told Corey that, so that was not planned. That was a little surprise, little tidbit for me. Surprise. And again, like I said, I can talk to you about my astral work, and I probably will over the next couple of episodes. Start talking a little bit more about it and what I do there and uh, deity work that I do there. Uh, this is one of my signifiers is the willow tree next to next to a river. And there are lots of women there, young women, old women, and they are definitely, Corey, I will tell you, <laughs> they are aspects of me that I go to talk to and work with. And uh, Bridget has often been there, Caridwin is sometimes there. The Morrigan doesn't come to that particular place very often, but sometimes. I was just led to tell you this, and there's going to be some more astral work that I will be sharing with you with boundaries in place that we will be sharing with you over the next couple of months as the goddess sees fit, in my case. I'm being told somebody out there needs to hear it. And I know this is probably, I don't know, Corey, maybe the woo-wooiest we've gotten in the podcast. I mean, yeah. I mean, so. So? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there you go. I would uh, I would yeah. like to, with this new revelation of the fact that my path working is on the astral plane, I don't know why yeah. that never, ever occurred to me. 
Oh, we're always good. learning, folks. I I mean, you were just very vulnerable with me. I'm going to share a little something about my astral place with you. Oh, thank you. So path working is a deliberate way to interact with the metaphysical world, right? Sort of a way to program your meditation to to take you into a trance-like state to sort things out, figure things out, find things, whatever. And mine is once you're like meditated and I've like found that trancey place. That's the technical term, the trancey place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I walk through a gate, like an arched gate uh, in the middle of like a low rock wall. And I walk through the forest and it's always a different path and it's always a different length of time that it takes until I get to a circle of stone benches around a reflecting pool like a bird bath looking reflecting pool and I sit there and I wait and whatever comes to me it either comes to me and sits with me or asks me to go elsewhere but that's like my place and it's a very solitary place mm. it's just me and whatever chooses to come. But I have had some recent interactions that make me think maybe Diana or a goddess like Diana are things I need to be looking into. There's been a lot of deer. There's been a lot of dogs. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's my wife's. Oh, really? Goddess. So, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Tammy so, and I are a lot of like in a lot of ways. You are a lot of like in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. And and then completely, completely different, different in, in a myriad of ways as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think there's 35 years between you or something like that. Really? So no. She's older than me. Oh, well, yeah. okay. She's, she's about 10 years older than me. Then maybe, yeah. yes. And you're my kid's age. I'm 33, <laughs> baby. So Jesus here. I have decided that I'm not going to say my age without saying that whole phrase for the rest of the year. When everybody, whenever anybody asks me how old I am, I'm going to be like, I'm 33, baby. I like it. <laughs> Again, t-shirts. You're, you're just making lots of t-shirts here, right? <laughs> t-shirts that I need on my body. Oh my gosh, I have too many t-shirts. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> too many t-shirts. My new band. I have four drawers of t-shirts y'all i and i i was like i'm gonna get rid of some of these i can't i love them all i had to do a thing where i cut the logos out of a bunch of my fan t-shirts yeah. and i'm yeah. making them into a quilt make, yep i i've already done that <laughs> well you just need to make another quilt <laughs> Dang it. you just need to have so. like nine quilts <laughs> well to wrap up the woo woo section before we uh before we send up some sparks thanks for sticking with us if you stuck with this this long and i hope that that was helpful to you and there'll be more of this coming um we're gonna continue way. i think to highlight different yeah. deities as well yeah so that we can learn yeah um, and I definitely am going to uh, try to be more vulnerable and open here and share more of my practice with you so that you can hopefully be inspired to create your own pathways and practices and rituals. And uh, hopefully they can inform you if you need that informed influence. And I know that I know that I would like to incorporate pathworking into my interaction with all of you. So if that's something that would be interesting to you, you know, comment on an Instagram post or on this episode and, and or email us and let us know.
because I would be super interested in in sharing that um, skill set with you if you would like to develop it. I have, and I think maybe Corey does as well, after Mercury retrograde. Uh, we have so many plans. We have so many plans. We have some announcements that we'll be telling you after the 21st of February. <laughs> yes, after the 21st. Well, do you want to send up some sparks? I would love to send up some sparks, Dada. Okay, let's do it. I never do this, but I'm so prepared and so excited, and I'm really ready for you to talk, so I'm going to talk quickly if it's okay and go first. Go first. So, Courtney Weber, she wrote a great book about Bridget, and she's written a couple of other great books. She also has a great podcast. Like, they don't need me to shout them out, The Witch's Life, but they're awesome, the three of them. I'm embarrassed. I can't remember all three of their names, but I, Courtney Weber, and one of the reasons I want to shout her out specifically... And uh, you can go find the 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 podcast. But what I really want to shout out it, because of her is Catland. Yep, that's right. C A T L A N D. It is a store on the East Coast and a, a bookstore. Catland books. Store. Yeah, you know them. I've heard of them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And they're hosting classes right now. And Courtney just did a Hecatate class. She also did a Bridget and a, a Morgan class, which I didn't get to take either of those, but I did get in on the Hecatate. Um, Hecate. <laughs> uh, I went back to my old. I needed to add more letters to that because that's who I am. Hecate. So <laughs> is the correct one, not Hecatate. Uh so I will put the link to Catland in there and you can look at other teachers who are doing Zoom classes through them and check out Courtney Weber when she has her next ones there, which hopefully will be soon. She's an amazing teacher, a great author. I love her podcast and she just and she actually replied to me on Instagram, my other my personal account, because she's trying to see if we can buy the previous one since I missed them because so, I really oh. want to take her two classes. So I'll, I'll let you all know if you can. I love that. I'm, what about I'm excited you? to What's check in that. Yeah. Um, I would like to shout out a podcast uh, that it's I'm cross pollinating yoga and podcasts right now. I love it. So there's this awesome yogini named Diane Bondi. Uh, if you have searched the terms body positive yoga, uh, yoga for all bodies, um, black women in yoga, like you, you will have heard of her probably. Uh, she, uh, she's doing a teacher training that I can't take. I'm so sad. Why can't you take uh, it? Money and also time right now. Like the timing of it would be just a little bit wrong. And um, so I'm going to hold off for the next one. But she does yoga for all bodies. Now, the reason I am bringing this up is that she started a podcast. And it's called, it's called Two Black Girls Talk About Everything. And I want you to go listen to it. There's only four episodes as of recording. So I don't know how many there will be when this comes out. But as of the 7th of of January, Jiminy, Jiminy. (laughs) Back in time. No. And now front. As the 7th. As of the 7th of February. Criminy. There are only four (laughs) episodes. But uh, I highly encourage you to go check it out. I think that... 
the newest episode's called uh, Black Lives Rising, and they have a guest, and it's it's just really, really good. It's good listening. It's a good education. Um, if you're trying at all to be an ally, this is, I think, required listening. It's very, very good. Cool. Yeah. Plus, she's just great and shines a light into the world. And she's like a runner. I just, I love her so much. She's so great. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for being here. <sighs> Thank you for joining us on this sort of gray day. Um, I'm excited about next week. I'm excited to continue to grow this community with all of you. It's been really awesome. This last week has been so fun getting to know some of you a little more. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure Detta agrees, but we've been having a really I good do. time. More lives, more lives so we can see you more. Yes. Um, but until we meet again, be well. Harm none. And don't forget that you are magic. Hey, everybody. If you like this show or you know someone who would like this show, feel free to share it and like and then rate and review us. Reviews, even if it's just like a smiley face emoji or a little thumbs up, a review helps us get seen by other people. Um, so if you have the time, it costs nothing, please drop us a line. And a follow on Spotify or iHeartRadio is also very helpful, depending on where you listen to us. So thank you. And you can find us on Instagram. At Bonfire Babble. Twitter. Bonfire Babble Podcast. Facebook. Bonfire Babble Podcast. And our Gmail bonfirebabblepodcast at gmail.com that's a place you can go to sign up for our newsletter or to ask us any questions we would love to hear from you heck yeah i would like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional land of the first people of seattle the duwamish people past and present and honor with gratitude the land itself and the duwamish tribe for more information reach out to realrent.org